Hello and welcome to Elegant the Podcast. I'm your host Abdullah, and uh, just a just a quick disclaimer, guys. We don't really talk a lot about like voiceover in this episode. We kind of went off um, off the rails. This was a very off the cuff conversation, and you're either gonna like it or you're either gonna hate it. But yeah. <laughs> so without further ado, here's my interview with Gavin Hammond. Hello and welcome to Allah Governor the Podcast. I'm your host, Abdullah, and, I'm, and to, with me today is... Me! I'm Gavin Hammond. Hello. Sorry. Oh, man. Gavin Hammond. Um, boy, where do we go with your credits? Because your credits are quite interesting. <laughs> I guess they're pretty strange. They can be, depending on, on what you're looking at. There's a lot of stuff in there. There can be. Um, you played, I did not know this, but while I looked up your IMDb, but you actually played Jim Gordon in the 2005 video game adaptation of Batman Begins, which is pretty cool. I think I did. I was, um, I was like 20 or something characters in that. And I think it was, some of it was scratch placeholder while they got things kind of figured out what celebrities were going to be in it and what weren't. So I don't know. I don't know what ended up staying in there and what didn't. That was a uh, that was wild though. But yeah, that was one of the first sort of big, I think, EA things that I had worked on, as far as I remember. And I that was a long time ago. I don't. That yeah, was I mean, really early on. For me. I mean, I just mentioned <laughs> that because it's like I remember playing that game. You know. When, oh, right on. Like when was uh, it good? It came out, and I think I remember I was like 15 years old, and it wasn't very good. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> We have nothing to do with that part of it, so we'll take all the credit when it is good. But when it's bad, it's just like, dude, I just showed up and they put these words in front of me. I don't know. No, I mean, I mentioned that because it's it's interesting seeing, like, the progression of an actor's journey. Like, even if it's... Oh, jeez, yeah. I mean, even if it's voiceover, it's interesting because, you know, we went from, like, no one ever thought that the guy who voiced, you know, Jim Gordon would be the guy who voiced Kenny in, like, Walking Dead, you know? Yeah, that was a, obviously a, a much bigger one. Um, yeah, but I, there's a lot of in-between there, too. And being, like, a voice actor in um, Northern California, as opposed to where most folks that do VO live, um, which is either, you know, Los Angeles, especially for interactive and, and animation, or New York, which, you know, is going to be your promo and your commercial and radio imaging and still, you know, interactive and all kinds of stuff. But, um, yeah, being in the Bay Area, I have to do all kinds of weird crap that's really boring, you know, to everybody but me. You know, if you talk about it on a, you know, we talk about doing educational toys and people just their eyes glaze over. But, um, yeah, there's a there's a whole lot of weird mileage in between Jim Gordon and, and Kenny. But Kenny's probably what I'm known for the best, which is cool. No, and it shocks me because, like, I looked you up and I did not I, – I, I hate myself for just figuring out this out now. <laughs> I did not know that you were the Magic Mirror, Beast, and the, and the Tweedle Brothers in Wolf Among Us. I was, yeah. They just kept throwing – they just kept throwing things at me. There was a lot going on um, with Telltale – <clears throat> and other sort of casting things that were happening around that same time. And, uh, you know, that was Pierre and uh, and Nick Herman, you know, who ended up um, being at Ad Hoc, who were working on Wolf 2 now. Um, 
they ended up not being an ad hoc, but they are. You know, they created it with Dennis Lenart, who was in a the guy that directed, you know, a lot of The Walking Dead, especially the first season. Um, so, they, yeah, there was a lot going on. And I remember I just showed up and they're like, oh, you're the mirror now. <laughs> it's like, OK. So it was funny. But uh, most of those sessions were at the time because we were recording at uh, Jory Prune's place up in uh, Fairfax, California, which is this beautiful little you know, hippie town in Marin County. Um, gorgeous. Um, and Jory Prume, uh, may he rest in peace, who uh, recorded so much of the dialogue at his studio. Um, so those were really fun, really weird times. I was also recording um, a lot of that same time. I was recording um, Furby in uh, for Hasbro um, doing either localized stuff because I, I did that toy in over like three different iterations over the course of like five or six years. And I think we ended up doing like um, 13 different languages because we localized the whole thing there in-house. So I was commuting from one end of the San Francisco Bay Area to be there at nine. And then after a four-hour session, heading over to the exact opposite end of the Bay Area in order to do The Walking Dead or Wolf Among Us. It was a Crazy time. Lots of miles in the car. Oh, man, that must have been, like, <laughs> that must have been crazy, like, just going from, and just keeping track of, like, what <laughs> what session you're going to, because I, I know, like, some people, oh, like, man, like, when they do the commute, they have a hard time, like, like remembering what they're going in for, <laughs> so. Yeah, and the thing about that, too, was especially, like, because I had that one thing, like, when we were working on Furby, that was, like, until we scheduled a little you know, in a, a way that was a little more sane for me, I would, I would do that five days a week from nine to noon or nine to one every day, Monday through Friday. And then, so anything else I had to do was either, you know, head up through San Francisco on the way home and then maybe all the way up to through San Francisco to Marin, you know, in order to do something for Telltale, or maybe I had to be in Emeryville for Leapfrog or another video game, you know, audio production company, um, so it was crazy. And there were a lot of ses- sessions that I would just miss because it would be like, <clears throat> I'm just going home, you know, and then, they, and then my agent would like call me and be like, hey, man, are you almost here? <laughs> like, Shit. Um, just because it was uh, it was crazy. And some of those weeks were just, you know, where I would have like two or three or four gigs in a day driving, you know, which was uh, nuts. It's um not a healthy way to uh, to get around, especially because it was so far. Like I would drive, you know, 75 miles in the morning to get to the toy. And then I'd have to come back through probably 30 miles to the city. And then I live about 30 miles from the city. So it was just, you know, three or so hundred miles a day. It was crazy. But <clears throat> but those days are over because we're not allowed to go anywhere anymore. So all of I, all of my work happens right here, which is just fine. I think that's for the best because it's like, you know, at the end of the day, I would rather just work from home than just run oh, around. Man. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I would, too. I um, <clears throat> When all of this started, because we've been in, you know, pretty kind of a fairly aggressive lockdown in California since March. Um, so, you know, five months going on six months. And um, when it started, I'd been trying to do as much work and VO from home as possible just so I didn't have to, you know, some days it'll take me two hours to go 30 miles to get to San Francisco just because the traffic's so awful. Um, 
So I've been trying to do as much as possible from here as I could. And um, it sort of worked out that now this is the only thing I can do. And um, I don't know. My booth sounds okay. It's not, you know, as good as, you know, a room in a really nice studio where they engineered it. But mine's got a lot of toys and shit in it, so it's it's pretty cool looking. You're recording your lines in front of a bunch of Furbies. <laughs> <laughs> there is one Furby. There's a Furbaka that's um, up sitting here kind of looking at me. But, no, it's all just all kinds of stuff. I collect toys, so I have a lot of weird junk in here. What do you collect? Pretty much anything I dig. Um, so I've got a lot of Star Wars, um, Simpsons, uh, movies that I liked, uh, Batman. Um, Mar- I'm more of a Marvel comics guy than a DC comics guy. I like Japanese robots a lot. So I have a bunch of Shogun Warriors and just Jumbo Machinders, that sort of thing. Um, just weird little things I think are cool. So, And I've been doing this for almost 30 years so there's a lot of stuff in here (laughs) now can i just say like it's it's becoming harder and harder to become a collector of anything these days because the prices of these fucking things have been has been you know increasing over the years and and there was at a point where i just had to tell myself i gotta stop because i'm like literally pissing money away on these things oh sure but you know i mean it's I I've run out of space more so than I've run out of interest. But you know some things if it's too much, it's like you know I don't need another one of those. You know it's like pretty much everything that I like has been, you know it's already been made. So it's like I either already have it or I don't need it that much. Um, <clears throat> but it depends on what you collect too. I've got a little bit of a of a sneaker thing too, and those are definitely dangerous. But you just keep them in check, you know. Oh God, Try trying, to trying to find like vintage uh, Air Jordans and on eBay on oh, oh yeah good no. lord <laughs> <clears throat> no I think you want to get them on um what was it there was a there's another one that's uh, some sneakerhead out there is screaming it at his uh, at his speaker but um, yeah there's a bunch of different ways you can get it eBay's sketchy I've had a couple sketchy eBay sneaker buys particularly but. They all worked out, which is wild. So uh, yeah, I can imagine. Well, I mean, eBay. Oh man, we've I've had some you know issues with eBay, and and I've told people like many times before, like I don't really trust eBay because I you know anybody can put anything on there, and unless you have like a direct line to the seller, unless you have like a direct line of communication to the seller, you're not gonna know what you're paying for until it gets there. So. Yeah, true. I mean, I've only had maybe, and I've been using eBay, I think, since maybe 1998 or 97, kind of not long after it sort of appeared. Um, And I've only had maybe one or two bad experiences and thousands of positive ones, most of which were buying toys or Legos or comics or something like that, just geek stuff that I dig. But uh, by and large, I think it's, it's good as long as you're savvy and paying attention and you know making smart choices you know you don't need to buy something right away you can like follow a bunch of people that are selling the same thing and then stick with you know the person that seems like a real person but that's my two cents 
No, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, it's it's good to have a hobby, especially in this day and age when <laughs> yeah. we're, you know, you're, you're stuck at home sure. and like with nothing to do. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I mean, toy collecting is something I get. Like, I've, you know, I got a bunch of like DC figures and I, mm. I used to collect mm-hmm. like a, I used to collect Transformers, but I just fell Ooh, off. Oh, yes. I just. I have a lot of those. I, I fell off during like, uh, you know, 2014. And, I'm, oh, and yeah, I yeah. and I just hate that I fell off during that point where I just stopped collecting because in recent years Hasbro just finally realized oh no we you know we you know we're doing great stuff with the newer line and I'm like god damn it I missed out on that god damn it yeah there's some good ones I was such like a like a Gen One guy well that, of um, course because that you know as, as yeah so masterpieces were always my jam because it was like a real perfect gen one you know representation well and i mean newer stuff cool cool enough but uh, it was easier for me to say like no i only need one jazz and this is the one you know or i probably too many optimuses but you know certainly one grimlock so no i mean uh you know well when it comes to masterpieces it's it's very hit and miss with those lines. I mean, I understand the appeal of them, but sometimes it's like you can get a better toy than than a masterpiece. You know? Oh sure, especially scale. like a, if it's a knockoff or if it's you know one of those third party companies. There's some incredible third party options too. Oh man, I I just you know I'm not a big fan of. I mean, it's. It's kind of sketchy because, like, I don't know where you personally stand on it, but, like, I get I get that, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, third parties are knockoff toys, but they're just so good sure. and well and oh, yeah. designed that it's just, it's like, Even you know, I bought some knockoff masterpieces, and I'm like, yeah, man, this was like 30 bucks instead of 90, and it looks fine. I mean, I'm a Lucy Goose guy, too, so it's like everything that I've got is out and on a shelf for out and about in the room so for me it's fine it's like i'm not gonna play with it if it breaks oh well i'll glue it back together you know but it's it's just the visual that uh that always gets me no i mean and i just missed out on a lot of stuff and 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 i and i remember having this conversation with someone on twitter when i said like it, it was heartbreaking that the that the masterpiece cone heads turned out to be so shit mm-hmm. and, and i missed out on the third party ones because Yep. The body ones are good and the, the official they're good they is... look really good yeah i never liked those either i never i never got that into them so because it was a time i think that i was like it was i was transitioning because i grew up playing with transformers when they were new i remember got one christmas i got three or four of them and it was like the best thing ever so i think by the time those came along i was no longer was no longer into them so they were like they didn't have that legacy sort of backstory for me where i needed to get them well yeah i mean there's always like i mean like i said like you know once i stopped like at that cutoff point i just stopped paying attention to the to the stuff that was getting released like from 20 2014 to 2018 and it's and it's such a shame because like i picked up a couple like titans return figures and i'm like Oh, they're super good. I'm like, yeah. fuck, this is a good line. Why did <laughs> yeah. I why did I miss out on this? This is really good. Yeah, I didn't buy I haven't bought any of those either. I hopefully I won't regret it. But <clears throat> the last like new ones that I was getting were um like of a new line were the alternators, where they like were bigger scale, really good looking cars that transformed into a robot that, you know, wasn't necessarily hound, you know, or something like that, but they were really good. And they were like, I think there was some sort of like 
manufacturer tie-in, you know, where it was like the Fords looked like Fords and the Chevys looked like Chevys, but they were so good. That was, I think, the last, like, line that I tried to stick with, at least in terms of Transformers. But they're awesome. So your cutoff point was around, like, 2006. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, Probably. I mean, again, I'm old, man. So it's like, you know, once my kids were born, too, it was like... They were over a certain age that we didn't need to drive around and like keep them distracted till they fell asleep. Because when my first son was born in uh, 2004, it was just so easy. Because that was right around the time I started doing voiceover. So it was like, I'm going to be a stay at home dad and I'm going to go to auditions if I have to. And then like we would just drive. We'd go to a Walmart or a Target or something and just like, you know, look for toys because nothing much else to do. What keep the kid happy and get him to sleep and talk to him. So it's bad parenting 101. <laughs> but yeah, that's when I started doing voiceover was around the same time that he was born. No, um yeah, God, that's hilarious. Like <laughs> imagining like just <clears throat> going to a toy store, but not for the kid, for for dad. Daddy needs Oh no, it's for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> A hundred percent for me. You know, I would still need to buy formula or buy, you know, blankets or diapers or something. So, and they always had those there. Yeah. I mean, that's just hilarious. Or it's like, yeah, you buying this for your kid. No, it's for me, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah. No, dude, come on. It says, it, it says age is 12 and up right on the thing. He's like, he's two. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I mean, I just hope like you're not into like, I mean, because it's 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 weird. Because you know, when it comes to Transformers, it's very hit and miss. I I would imagine, I would say like you know, out of all the toy toy brands, it's very hit and miss. And like there was a point in time where I would like go after like the exclusives and 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 stuff like that. And and I oh yeah. And I'll admit, like well, I I, rem- made, I made it through the '90s, so I I bought a lot of those comics. I worked at a comic shop too, so a lot of the exclusives and exclusives and stuff that would come through. Yeah, I'm probably guilty of owning them, sadly. But, you know, I, I'd like to think I have a little more taste than that now. I mean, now it's nothing. I'd like to... I mean, now it's nothing. Like, now it's like <laughs> I'm not – there is no way I'm justifying X amount of money to, to pay for a repaint. I mean, because that's all it is. It's just a repaint oh, yeah. of an existing mold that, are, that I already own. And it's not – I mean, sure. it, it's not like it's a mold I like. Like it, let's say like the Seeker mold from 2006, like the the 2006 mm-hmm. uh, generations classic Seeker mold. That's a good mold, and I and I and I'll, and I'll admit that I bought a lot of you know versions of that mold. You know, mold deg- degradation be damned, but I I I, I enjoy <laughs> that mold. It's it's a it's a fun mold, and I'm kind of you dis- like to think Takara takes better care of them anyway, so. It's probably it's probably fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but like my point is, is like you know I'll buy a bunch of repaints if it's a mold I like. I don't see what the problem hmm. is, and and if it's a character I like, I mean I like the Seekers, and they're basically just like repaints of Starscream anyway. So it's like who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I've got. I mean, I think I've got four of them. So and it's fine. They were like I could get them, you know, especially the masterpieces. It's like I could get them you know, at retail. So it was like, Ooh, you know, just the, uh, the novelty of buying it, man, this is a great, podcast. which I've been guilty of too many times. It's a great voiceover podcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. No. Cause the last person I talked to was like, like myself. No, the last person I talked to was, you know, worked on the new Transformers series on, on Netflix. And I'm just like, I still got Transformers oh. on the brain. So was it Joe Zija? No. 
Oh, okay. Because no, I know he, he did as well. He's a friend of mine. Oh. We're on a show together. Oh, no, I actually reached out to him, but he was busy. So there you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's one of those guys that's just too busy. He's got too much going on. He does have a lot going on. He's a streamer as well. So he's twitching it up. <laughs> I, I, Which I, I just don't. Nobody wants to see me play anything. I'm bad, you know. No, I mean, I remember talking to Dave Fenoy back in 2013, and we were we asked him, like, you know, do, do you play anything? And he's like, no. Not even Walking Dead, because Walking Dead's pretty easy, man. I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't like to play things that I worked on in general, if I can avoid it. Because um, I do play video games quite a lot, but I just don't really want to play things with me in them. Because it's, uh, it just takes me right out of it. I don't really want to hear, oh, yeah, they used that take. Oh, why didn't they use that other take? You know, or anything like that. You know, things that are going to make me sort of second guess my choices. It just takes me right out of the immersive experience. So, but I do play lots of games. Just uh, try to avoid the ones with me in them as much as I can help it. Well, I, mean, I did you... play The Last of Us too. I'm in that, I'm, but I'm barely in it. So, and I didn't even hear myself, which was great. <laughs> No, no, it's it's hilarious because I know, like, you know, one of my friends is in Last of Us 2, and she's credited under additional voices, and I'm like, you know, I, I want to yeah, find her. We all are. <laughs> it's every single her. one of us. <laughs> yeah, the, and that was uh, – the casting director is a very dear friend of mine, um, uh, Becky Dodd, who uh, I had known from – her agency work previously, she used to be my agent in Los Angeles, and um, then she started working for Naughty Dog, and she brought everybody in to do additional voices, which was super rad and very, very cool. Um, so we got to, I got to work with Melissa in that session, which is pretty fun because Melissa Hutchison and I are also very, very close friends. So we got to work together um, with uh, Allegra Clark and uh, another guy. I can't remember his name, but it was fun. So it was just a bunch of us that were just kind of coming in for an hour in groups of four and doing, you know, whatever she needed us to do, you know, for those searching for, you know, searching for Ellie or searching for, oh, damn it, what was her name? Abby. Yeah, one of the two. Searching for him, you know, calling out, that sort of stuff. It was really fun. No, it's it's weird because I notice like you know I notice like the people who because it's so weird because I interviewed like most of the people who did ended up doing like the Matilla and the and the, the cult and it's just so weird because uh -huh. yeah, yeah. like my buddy Ben, ben Pronsky like I can like know I know his voice like a mile away and just hearing him yell out and you know making dying sounds is just hilarious to me. Hey man, that's the job. That's what we do. That's what we do for a living. I mean, and it's just it's just hilarious because, like, I'm at that point where I easily recognize people. I'm like, oh, that's uh, Erica Lothal. That's Erica Lindbeck. That's David B. They, that's David B. Mitchell. You know, it's just like I'm just so sure. good. I'm just so good at that now. It's like I recognize everybody. It's like, oh, man, that's Kari Walgren, like a mile away. Like, come on, man. <laughs> Now, can you pick them out when they're doing commercial work? That's no, the real challenge. That's the that's the real challenge, though. Yeah, that's where the that's where all the money is too. So. Yeah, yeah, because I, I remember talking to people about it, where where you know we talked about the um, you know voiceover being more than just cartoons and video games. It's it's about promo work, and a lot of people are like, "Hey, man, you know that 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 promo work. That's what that's what really pays the bills." That's the that's oh, yeah. where the real money is. <laughs> yeah, commercials, commercials too. Um, promos just because of the regularity of the work, um, which are really, really fun. Uh, but commercials, 
you know, if you get on a campaign where you're doing something over and over again and you do a whole bunch of spots and then, you know, they do a whole bunch of tags and then they run them all over the place and you get residuals and it's pretty great. You can uh, you can really kind of do well with very minimal amount of work that you actually need to do in order, you know, to sort of contribute to the project, you know, in terms of time and involvement and stuff. It's pretty rad. It's it's a great job. You know, if you can get the work, voiceover is a fantastic job. I feel very fortunate to get to do it and to get to do it from home now, which is super cool. Yeah, you don't have to drive to a studio just to do a bunch of promo stuff <laughs> that no one's going to notice. <laughs> I haven't had to drive to Burbank to do an animation session or to do a video game session, you know, which for me was, you know, a bit of a drag. I generally do drive because I like to be down there to be able to go and see friends, to be able to go to the agency, you know, without flying in and out. Um, I don't get a ton of time, you know, where I'm just sort of <clears throat> hanging out in the car. Um, so I usually do like to drive. But, uh, yeah, haven't had to do that in a while either, which has been awesome. Well, you're, you're uh, oh, wow, you're actually one of the weird people who still goes to agencies. <laughs> sometimes you, yeah, sometimes you have to, or you just want to go by. Because, I mean, especially for me in my L.A. agent, I just want to check in and, you know, remind them that uh, I still love them, you know. Um so that just that sort of thing. And, you know, so many of my friends spend, you know, or live down there now. Um, Owen Thomas, who's Omid in the Walking Dead games and um, Sissy Jones, who's everybody and everything. Um, it's uh, it's just nice to be able to touch base and check in with people. And flying is such a drag. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to, like, come in and, and just, like, talk, you know, uh, contact someone who you really want to have a conversation with and then. You're like, oh man, I'm too jet lagged. Crap. <laughs> oh, so we don't we don't have jet lag just because I'm flying in the same time zone. And even so, you know, I'm not crossing any major lines. But still, I I don't want to talk to anybody if I can help it. So I would rather <laughs> just be alone in my car listening to baseball. <laughs> and the bottom of the ninth. Yeah. No, hopefully it's like the bottom of the second. It's like oh. I got a long drive ahead, <laughs> and this picture is slow. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I mean it's it it is what it is, and you gotta like some some actors have found it easy to transition from doing you know stuff from studio work to to home, while others are struggling. Some are tech savvy, some are just complete. <laughs> just it's so weird because it's like you know we as human beings like can do a bunch of like phenomenal things as a species but like when you ask us to figure out how a fucking voice program works or how source connect works we just get stumped (laughs) yeah well that's where i mean any sort of i knew so many people just kind of going into it who know all this stuff and i've worked with so many engineers in different parts of the country um I've got a friend, this guy, Rick Such, who owns a studio in Indianapolis, Indiana. And he's one of my go-to guys if I've got a Source Connect or like a recording Pro Tools question, you know, um, just from being clients, you know, for the for almost 15 years now. Um, it's funny. So there's so many resources to do it. And I mean, I was already set up. The one thing I had to do was when I started doing things that 
<clears throat> were things that normally they would not let you do from home, animation, video games. I had to do some sound treatment just in order to make my booth quieter, a little less um, reflective. But I knew a guy from Voice Tracks, which is a school in Sausalito where I took classes and now teach. But um, he was uh, Jim Edgar, great sort of studio genius and I could just kind of get advice from him. He'll listen to files and can kind of hear, you know, things that need to be fixed. So we did like a Zoom call where I was just showing my little camera around all the nooks and crannies of this space. And he was making suggestions. And and that worked out really well because now apparently it sounds, you know, good enough, <laughs> which was the goal. Not great. Good enough. <laughs> well, great is such a, you know, it's it's such a subjective term. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of hard. That's why it's kind of hard for me to, to figure out, like, how to sometimes word things. Because it's like, you know, do I want to say this is this is good or great or awesome? Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's usually going to be awesome or rad <laughs> or maybe hella rad. Because I am a native Northern Californian. And that's how we talk, sadly but truly. No, I've never heard anyone say hella before. Like, I. What? Like, I, what? I've never heard anyone say hella Man, we before. We say hella all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I grew up saying it. Hella. And sometimes, you know, when you were in, in mixed company, you might say hecka. But nobody really says hecka anymore. But yeah, I know we used to say hella, hella all the time. Hella rad. Oh, that hella sucks. No, because, that sort of thing. because the first time I ever heard anyone say hella was like life is strange. Like that's that's like oh. a, that's a word that keeps <clears throat> popping up in, in that game. And I'm like, what is hella? Why are you saying hella. this? <laughs> yeah, it's a I guess it's an it's an adverb adjective. It's an adjective that modifies another adjective. No, it's hella good. It's just weird because I've never heard anyone say that. Like, I've never heard anyone, like, legit say that before this conversation. So there you go. This is the oh, yeah. first time. <laughs> this is There a, this... are millions of us in California that legit said that and legit still get to say it because we grew up saying it. Like, rad. That, that too. Well, I mean, rad I get. Rad is like, I mean, I was born in the 90s and, you know, everything back then was rad and tubular and other horrible, horrible words that should not be used anymore. I thought things were tubular in the 80s, but that's uh, that's when we were saying tubular. <laughs> but I don't know. I grew up in California, so we were always we were always in the cutting edge. Always in the cutting edge. Especially, I was in a band um, a lot when I was in, where I was in a band in college, and we traveled a lot. We always used to say, like, the further you got toward the middle of the United States toward the country, just like the further everything was from civilization, you know, the weirder, the weirder the fashion would get just because just stuff hadn't, hadn't gotten there yet. It was funny. But that was in the nineties though. So I imagine it's quicker now because everybody's got a camera on there in their hand. I mean, and nowadays like fashion is just like, it's not like there is nothing specific you would associate from any decade. Like I can't tell you what. Oh, the sure you would. Well, kind of. Go ahead. I mean, kind of, but not really. Oh, no, you totally. Like, you got to live more decades, man. You got to get like three or four, five under your belt. And you're like, oh, God, yeah. I remember those fucking pants. 70s. 
No, I mean, I remember, I remember, I remember, like, I remember, like, there was a period in my life where I tried to be a hat guy, and it was terrible, and I, I'm ashamed of it. I am ashamed of that period of my time where it's like, hats, wanna... are, hats are hard, man. Hats are tough. You got to find the hat finds you. Really, it's not like choosing to find the hat. It's, it's really like the hat chooses you, and you put it on, and you're like, I guess I'm a hat guy now because I don't have a choice. This hat. Look how good it looks. It's tough. Uh, but I've the, never been a hat guy. Oh, there was there was like two periods. Like I remember like 2005 when I was 15 years old and like 2007-ish, like where I tried to be like the hat guy and it was just not working out. Cuz the problem it's with tough. like cuz the problem with hats is like, you know, you got to find one that looks good on you, you know, that complements your facial features while also like remembering like, you know, at some point you're going to get helmet hair. Like you're gonna get helmet hair oh, yeah. when, when you're gonna have to take it off. Yeah, <laughs> and after that you gotta shower, and I just hated doing yeah. that, and I just said, "Fuck this! I am not being a hat guy anymore." No, so it's warm where you're at too. Yeah. Oh it's God, hot it's hot. It's oh, it's so. Yeah. Uh, to give you an example of how hot it is now at the time of this recording, my sister went to the mall, and it was so hot, and I'm not making this up. The trees were on fire. Huh. That's hot. Yep. That's not good. Is there like a number associated with like the temperature of that or? No, but but it's but it's. 115 just... degrees. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, probably. That's too know. warm. No, too too. It's just it's just oh man, I just oh it's tough it's tough to to say this without like you know ruffling some feathers, but. Like, I just hate it whenever someone says, well, climate change doesn't exist. And then you you look at the heat we're getting now and comparing it to the heat we used to get. And the fact that trees are now on fucking fire and you tell me, like, climate change doesn't exist. (sighs) I don't know too many people that say it doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) I think we've come. I think we've gotten past those people. But But, I don't know. But no, I mean, it's just just one of those things where Mm -hmm. I just really pisses me off when someone says that where you know you look at the weather we've been having like you know this year compared to the previous summers i mean it's always hot in summer but it's it was never this hot it was never this unbearable so it's just it's hot i'm with you i mean it's not that hot here but it's weird i mean for us the scary part is that we our whole state just kind of catches on fire which is a bit of a drag because uh we're quite close to where a lot of those things have been on fire which is a drag no, no, I remember I remember someone posting like footage of like the the entire the entire like entire area on fire in California and just like driving people dri- driving along like it's normal and I'm like, man, you're literally driving into hell at that point. <laughs> yeah, the last the last few years have been really rough, especially in parts of northern and central California just with uh, wildfires. <clears throat> Sadly, most of them are related to PG&E. The um, energy provider, not maintaining lines and not maintaining, you know, transmission sites and whatnot. But it sucks. And when it's dry, you know, and it's California has kind of always been a desert. Um, And it's uh, we've been in the same sort of drought cycle for probably the last 20 or so years. So it's tough. But, you know, it's not unbearable. It's just uh, it gets pretty bad in the fall when it gets really smoky. So, but now we're all wearing masks anyway, so we've got those masks to protect us from the smoke. So, 
guess there's a silver lining. <laughs> guess there's a silver lining in everything, to be quite honest. When you, when you, <laughs> you got to find something, right? Right? I mean, it's 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 tough, man. It really is. It's like, you know, this year has been very soul-crushing for me personally because it's like, you know. There it's are, not just you. No, no, there. Yeah, no. I, I mean, I get, I get that, but I'm, but I'm just saying, like, there are days, man. There are days where I just want to, where I just want to go to sleep and do nothing else. Like, I'm just like, yeah, I just want to go to sleep. Please wake me up when we're back to a state of some sort of normalcy. <laughs> well, let's hope that uh, normalcy's still a thing. <laughs> but normalcy's whatever you're willing to put up with. I think. I think that's the definition, the true definition. Yeah, no, this is fine. This is all fine. It's normal now. It's just like, hey, man, you just gotta, you just gotta do what what you gotta do, and just try to find some hobbies, or just like find work, or just anything to keep your sanity. And I think that's that's like the hardest thing. It's like it's really hard, like trying to maintain your sanity while also like while also being reminded how stupid people are whenever you open up social media. Whenever you have to, like, there's a point where you, you where you for some reason have to open up social media and just see stupid shit. And you're just like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> no, no. That's what baseball's for. You follow that. But baseball doesn't even exist anymore. Isn't it? Did, I, I don't No, nah, There's baseball games happening right now. My Oakland athletics are, um, they're in a sort of top of the fourth in a nothing, nothing game with the Los Angeles angels of Anaheim. There's baseball. America's pastime, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. That's right. Uh, we try to. We try to try to for it to be. We'll see. Hopefully, they just make it through the season. That'd be fine. I mean, yeah. That it's. Oh God, it's it's so weird. Like we went from you know back back in March, everyone was like, "When's baseball coming back?" And now now it's like, "Is are there any games worth watching?" <laughs> Every single one of them. They're all worth watching. It's baseball. I don't know. I love baseball. So for me, it's always, it's always on, and it's always something to watch or listen to. Honestly, like the only thing I familiarize with baseball is like I don't remember the movie, but like there's a movie with James Earl Jones, and he gives a speech about baseball, and that's all I know about baseball. Yeah, that's all right. That's enough. That's that's a pretty good place to start. <laughs> baseball. <clears throat> um. Man, I just want to say, guys, if you're still tuning into this, cool. <laughs> like, I appreciate it because this has been all over the place, and I'm pretty sure, like, everyone has probably tuned out on the moment we mentioned baseball, but there you go. I like to think we're interesting guys. <laughs> uh, no, no, I mean, I just I just love having free-form conversations. I don't, I don't, I always hated when, when, when I listen, when I re-listen to a show and it feels like an interview and I'm like, I want to have a conversation. I don't want to have an interview. Like, I don't care about like, you know, question and answers. Just give, just, I want to know the person. I want to like be reminded that, that other people exist and, and that, and that, you know, and that we're all just trying to get by. I don't, I don't care about you coming on and shilling your fucking product. Like it's a I actually I have nothing to shill. <laughs> um, I, I could probably shill some stuff, but that's not really. That's never been what I've been about. Yeah, 
I mean, I just, I just don't like that. I just, I just hate like listening to stuff and feeling like I'm, it's an advertisement for something. Cause I'm like, if I, if I talk about something like I really like, it's because I like it. It's not because I'm like, Hey, you should totally play this game. Cause it's really good. And, and I'm totally not being paid by the, by the people to say it, you know, whatever. Well, I'm not being paid by anyone uh, <laughs> at the moment. So <laughs> I'm just here offering my own, warped insights because you asked for them so it's <laughs> all i've got no and i just love that because it's like you know before you know before when this show was just me and my buddy tom just talking shit for for an hour and a half about whatever we could think of i just hated that format because it just became so samely but now it's like you, you know, you get various guests on, and no one has the same story, and everyone's totally different, and you know, you get variety, and I'm like, I'm all for variety, because Lord knows we need that right now. We need something. <laughs> Maybe baseball. <laughs> baseball. <laughs> yeah, baseball, man. Oh no, no, I'm I'm familiar with two things with baseball. <clears throat> uh, you know, that what's James, the second one? James Earl Jones and Barry Bonds jokes. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. See, I'm an A's fan, not a Giants fan. So I've heard all the Barry Bonds jokes, and I like them. I think they're funny. <laughs> but I'm a bit, being an A's fan, I don't really have a whole lot of, like, I don't really have a leg to stand on if it's, like, about PED jokes, since I had, like, Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco. So, you know, I don't really get to laugh too hard at those jokes. But they're funny. I mean, I just, I, you know, it always interests me, like, when, when, uh, when, uh, when like a comedy show would do like a sports reference and I'm just, I'm not a sports guy. So I just wonder to myself, like somewhere out there, someone must be laughing at this. Someone must get this. Cause I don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, part of sports too, is just the, uh, it's the inclusion of it and feeling like I understand this. So I'm, I'm in the circle, you know, that's the thing. It's, I wasn't a huge sports fan until I was, I don't know, old. Um, and then it's like, I started following baseball and I was like, seems really kind of insurmountable to, to sort of break through all the, the minutia and all the specifics and stuff like that. And with football, same sort of thing. It's like, I grew up, you know, with my dad watching sports, but I never did, but it's not that hard. You pay attention for a week or so and you pretty much get all of it. It's, uh, it's fun. I mean, at the end plus of it's always on. Well, yeah, and, and at the end of the day, isn't it like just a nerd, another form of nerd, you know, another form of geeky shit? Like at the end of the day, when you think about it, Cause oh all, hell yeah, because it's all about stats and numbers and knowing people's yeah. names and all this other minutia. <laughs> totally, it's about minutia. It's about rando specifics, you know, like players and numbers and series and titles and. All kinds of stuff, regulations, all that sort of stuff. It's all geek stuff. Everything's geek stuff. And knowing like a team's history and who's on what position and who's getting traded, who's getting drafted, all this wonderful stuff. And I just, I just don't, yeah, have to, I just don't have stuff. time. I just don't have time for that. Oh, you do. You don't make time for it. That's all. <laughs> Everybody has time for it. It's just what you make time for. <laughs> I always, it always cracks me up when people talk about not having time for things. And it's like everybody's got time you just have to do it oh yeah I mean, oh man the angels scored now it's one to nothing shit <laughs> anthony rendon it was a good get 
Trust me, he was. Um, no, I mean, it's it's just interesting because, like, I, I'm just not a, a sports guy. I'm just not someone who keeps up with, with all that stuff because I feel like if I tried to keep up with it, I'm going to fall off eventually. Like, you know, it's the same. Yeah, but I mean, okay. I mean, it's the same with comics because I, I fell off at some point. Oh, yeah. You know, I just got – I just, like <clears> – it's, it's so weird because yeah, I remember no. – No, I mean, it's so weird because – I haven't read them in ages, so. It's so weird because um, I remember getting back into comics back in 2014, 2015, 2016, and then I just fell off in 2017. I just fell off a cliff and never looked back because <laughs> I'm like, ah, what's the point anymore? I, it's, it's, I'm, I'm not gonna bother remembering most of the stuff because mo- mostly it's like most ongoing comics are just like either one-shot storylines that no one's gonna remember in a month or two, or like big, big cross over events that you're that are going to be sold in a trade anyway so who yeah, cares <laughs> been that way since the since the 80s it really it really has yeah it's easy to kind of fall out of that <clears throat> and i you know generally i don't remember much of anything i've bought so many books that i've been like oh you know this all feels really familiar just because i'd already read it but uh you know it's what happens when you get old forget all that stuff no, I remember because like I, I've been reading like a bunch of old late ni- late nineties X Men comics, and I forgot that that Morrow was a character that not only existed, but was a part of the main roster of X Men at some point. And I'm like, oh yeah, that was a thing. Which character? Who? Morrow. Morrow. Marrow. Marrow. Morrow. Ah, God, pronunciation. <laughs> oh yeah, no God, I hadn't thought about her. Right? Was it chick? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in ages. Wow. Yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things <clears throat> where you read it and it's like, oh yeah, I remember. I forgot about that, and I forgot about Magneto's clone Joseph. That was a thing. <laughs> oh yeah, God, that was a dark time. Like it's just, it's just like you read this and you remember. Like I just, I, I remember reading like. Going through this again now as an adult in my 30s and just being reminded, like, I, I just said to myself, thank God the, the fucking X-Men cartoon was so good because if I tried keeping up with the comics at the time, I would have been really disappointed. <laughs> yeah, it was it was like in the 80s. It was real bad. It was all over the place. I mean, it was great, but it was really hard to follow. But so was most of comics because, you know, you had editors back in the day. And they would tell you, like, what to go and read in order to follow, you know, what the storyline was. So you're like, oh, geez, I have to find that that issue, that weird issue of, you know, of like X Factor. Oh, X Factor 22, of course. Then you have to go and find it. Oh, man. I remember getting into an argument I got many years ago when I still had my Tumblr account. Someone like got mad at me saying, like, a lot of people don't read vintage comics and 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 they they got so mad that they that they took a picture of like their quote unquote vintage comics and they were all just comics from the nineties. And I'm like, oh, I did not man. know I did not know like <clears throat> comics from nineteen ninety five counted as vintage. No, I would not say so. Man, yeah, the vintage year of nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, when Marvel was like at its lowest <laughs> in terms of quality. The titanium age, I believe. How they refer to it? I don't know. I just made that up. Yeah. Oh man, I got a copy of Hero- Heroes Reborn. Yeah, that's that's a that's a that's a great storyline. <laughs> I I remember liking some of Heroes Reborn. I don't remember which ones of those I read though. 
Yeah, well, it's, it ain't, it sure as shit ain't Life Else Captain America reboot. Like, he's when he tried rebooting that. And, like, uh, let's let's just give Rob Liefeld one of our most iconic characters. We don't care anymore. Like, you know, it's, it's image, man. Like, it, you know. Sells comics. Yeah. Sells comics. And then, yeah. you, and then you read it and it's like, this is fucking atrocious. Yeah. I, uh. It was a dark time. I, I sold comics during that whole image era, and it was just so weird, like how, how quickly it all changed to buying multiple copies of everything because it was, you know, packed in a poly bag with a card. Oh, oh, it's a dark time. No, I mean, I remember going to – because I remember I, was, I went on vacation in L.A., um, you know, a year ago, and I remember going to a comic shop, and and all those quote unquote vintage comics, yeah, they were they're selling them for a buck. They're selling them for a yeah. fucking buck. <laughs> so there you go. Well, there were so many that they were making at the time that it's like, of course, not all of them are gonna put your kids through college, you know. So it was it was a really weird. There were so many comics being sold that. Um, it's and it's this, like the antithesis of why comics were worth money in the first place, you know, which we'd always try to explain. But there were so many great things that were being published at the time, too, um, that it was really fun. But it was all of the stuff that everybody was buying it was just, uh, it was just exhausting because you'd have to like – Help the Spawn guy get into his costume because Spawn was going to appear at the store. Oh, man. Just so weird and dark. But it's a good way to spend your 20s, I guess. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, this was like 1998 or so. Spawn was big. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. When Spawn came out, I think it was... Um, 92. 95 something. Yeah, I don't remember. I was just graduating high school, so I was just... Uh, starting school at uc berkeley so i was living in berkeley and commuting to a comic book store yeah that was wild and playing in a band was all it was a it was a weird busy time oh man you must have you must have gotten this like you must have like gotten people coming in asking for specific issues and you had no idea what the fuck they were talking about oh i always knew what they were talking about I mean, because that was that was the job too. Is we had to know what the what things what people were into. So we always knew that, but it was just we would sell it, but we wouldn't recommend it or read it. Maybe you'd read it on lunch and just to see how shitty it is. But yeah, yeah, we we knew you just didn't have to like it. I mean, and this was back in the days when people were still buying single issues, and it's not like nowadays where no one gives a shit about the single issues unless it's like a really it's unless it's like a really critically uh, critically acclaimed run and people want to collect that in like single issue form. No one gives a shit about single yeah. issues anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, publishing's become so much more expensive, so yeah, for sure. <clears throat> No, I mean it's just it's so interesting like looking looking at how how much has changed in terms of comics and just like at the end of the day it's still the same you still have like tons of single issues clogging up your store that no one wants to buy cuz it's like unless you're unless that comic is on someone's pull list then no one cares. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely difficult to run a store these days. It's um, it's definitely a challenge. And it's just so sad because it's like, you know, you go into these stores and, and, you know, look, man, I live in Kuwait and we only have like one comic book store and most of it's like imports of used and pre-existing trades. 
and most of them are like in you get a lot of stuff from europe too or yeah yeah sometimes stuff from europe as well but that's yeah. very, very rare and oh mostly and it, american stuff yeah 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 interesting yeah mostly american stuff because like we don't have like comic book stores we don't have like the single issues so it's just basically sure. just like one guy opening up his own store and, and just like selling like whatever comics he owns and it's it's just sad <laughs> it really is because it's like you know unless you're uh, you know unless there's a specific thing in mind you want that you're gonna you're looking for then and and it's not there then well you're fucked because you got nothing <laughs> yeah yeah and and it's just like it, it always cracks me up because like every time i went to that store like they would because like it's comic book it's a comic book store comics have always been a niche product to begin with and every time mm-hmm, i go to I, sure. like every time i go to that fucking store the the guy is just sitting there reading like an omnibus or something to pass the time yeah i mean that's what you do you know it's uh <clears throat> that or you repackage back issues it's uh it's boring work but at least there's a lot to read and also, and also, like you know, every comic book store has like the the long boxes where they just throw in all the random <laughs> single issues that no one wants, and yeah, that you just those are great because you can find like some of the dumbest shit in there that you did not know existed, and you would think is valuable, but really isn't, which no, is inter- which never. is which is which is hilarious because it's like. You find this really old Iron Man issue, and to like a casual person who's who who know only who only knows Iron Man from the from the movies, they would think that that's the coolest thing ever. Oh man, he got this old Iron Man comic, yeah, from nineteen ninety five. It's worth yeah. nothing. <laughs> they all suck then. <laughs> yeah. Now I pointed this out like on Twitter, like you know, uh, there was that point where people tend to forget that. Iron Man was a C-lister. He wasn't a popular character. He was just like a, a C-list character that only appeared in like crossovers, and no one read the comics during during like that during his period when he was a C-lister. So they would just like try to find something to do with him, and and every time they tried, it just was so stupid that it was just it was just mind numbing. I remember like it was they had li- so little to do with him. Like they created it, they were struggling to to figure out what to do with him. That they that they that they did this entire crossover event, which is horrendously terrible, called the Crossing, where it turns out that oh, where it turns out yeah. that that Tony Stark was an agent of Kang all along. Yeah, yeah, they did a ton of that stuff, <laughs> and then in the nineties, late or that was probably early two thousands, mid two thousands. There's some great Iron Man runs. I was a big Iron Man fan. The Bob Layton stuff was awesome. Bob Layton, Iron Man, where he fought the Hulk. It's one of my favorite. It's like a three-issue arc. It's good stuff. But, yeah, I hear you. I get your point. No, and and, they, and he was, like, so bottom tier, like, when they did the whole amalgam thing. Who did they cross him over with? Fucking Green Lantern. <laughs> but Green Lantern is, like, the most powerful DC superhero. Green Lantern's awesome. Yeah. I love that one. Iron Lantern. Iron Lantern was fucking great. That was also, uh, it was like Paul Smith was, I think, the artist on it. Um, if I remember correctly, I love that issue. That stuff's fun. But I'm an old, jaded, you know, hate monger. So, you know. <laughs> but listen, man, I should wrap up pretty soon. My oh, wife okay. is going to be no, wondering okay. what happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, this was fun. She often does. We talked about voiceover. We went through your entire career. We we laughed. We cried. We had. Did we had a lot of fun? And um, thank you so much for taking the time off to do this. Really, sure, man. Thanks for waking up early. (laughs) Sorry to get you out of bed. Next time, let me know, and we'll we'll do it at a time that's more amenable for you. (laughs) Um, before before we wrap up, like uh, any. Can you give us an update on the on any current projects and where can people find you on social media? Um, pretty much everything on social media is just my first and last name, um, Gavin Hammon, G A V I N H A M M O N. On Twitter, it's that. Instagram, it's that. Um, Facebook, I think it's Gavin Hammon V O. If you wanted to follow me, I don't post anything there, so I don't recommend it. But um, no, I'm always working and doing something and I can't ever really talk about anything that's coming out until it comes out. I mean, you can follow me on IMDb if you're curious as to what I've worked on in the last two years. But uh, it's it's difficult to stay, you know, current with anything that we're doing. Um, there's a bunch of Xfinity commercials that I'm doing right now for the, the Xfinity Sports Zone. So in the United States anyway. <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, it's always there's always something out there. So if you're ever curious, just look me up on IMDb. All right, thanks, man. I'll, you Thank know. you, Bill. It was nice talking to you. <laughs> Same. Talk to you later. All right. Bye bye. See ya. Bye. <laughs>